Hello, everyone, and welcome to Off The Blocks Podcast Season 4. Thank you all very much for downloading our show today, wherever you are in the world, right now listening. I'm your host, Robbie Cox. Now, another cracker show coming your way today. But just quickly before we get to that, guys, I'm very proud to announce the arrival of our own merchandise line, OTB Crew. It's very exciting. Uh, It's been a while in the planning, and the shirts are finally here and ready for you all to get your hands on. So please check out our social media pages for more information and the link to buy them online. Yes, we are selling them worldwide, so fans of the show from anywhere in the world can get their hands on an OTB Crew shirt and be a part of the crew themselves. Shirts are $35 each, and we are limited in our stock at the moment, so make sure you get your orders in fast. Not only are you purchasing a great style shirt, but you're also helping support the podcast so that we can keep bringing content to you each and every week. So head over to our Instagram page right now, click the link to shop online and become a part of the OTB crew today. Away they go. No problems with the start. There is two one hundred in the second in it. Gary Hall Jr. the extrovert and Ian Thorpe battling it out down the pool. Thorpe is starting to go away from him. Oh he's blowing him away now. Thorpe's gone more than a meter on Vanderhoof and Pan. But the signature of all eyes is the great Phantom Butterfly, Susie O'Neill. He's coming back. Oh, he surely can't do it to him again. Chavis in the white hats. Vets in the black hats. And Vets is bullets. I cannot believe he's done that. Thorpe to Thorpe. Thorpe the hall. Thorpe goes in. Joining me today on the show from across the other side of the world is a man who just a few weeks ago was setting the pool on fire in Tokyo at the 2020 Olympic Games walking away from the Games with four Olympic medals, including gold for his part in Great Britain's amazing 4 by 200 meter freestyle relay. It's my pleasure to welcome back on the podcast, one year on from his first visit, now two-time Olympian and the only British athlete to win four medals in a single Olympic Games. They're calling him for him, sorry, to be knighted. That's what they're asking for over there. It's everywhere. They're asking for him to be knighted. Mr. Duncan Scott, mate, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, pleasure. It's a, it's a pleasure. I'll leave the night hall in uh, the night calling for the others to, to say that. But, uh, mate, yeah, I got that from my research. I didn't make that up, but I got that from my research. That's what they're calling for out there. So, and I back them. Yeah. If I could send an email through to the Queen, I'll, I'll do it. I'll fire you over our email. Yeah. <laughs> mate, how are you going over there? What have you been up to today? Yeah, all good. Um, went for a wee dip this morning. Um, so, yeah, just sort of gradually getting back into the swing of things. But, uh, yeah, it's been a little bit weird since getting back with some from when I finished my race to being 36 hours then back in the back in the country, which was a weird one, but uh, didn't have to quarantine like the Aussies. So I guess I'm a little bit fortunate. Yeah, that was going to be my question. So you didn't have to quarantine. Um, what was it like getting back home? Was it nice to be around family and friends and, and enjoy it. Obviously, you don't get the typical Olympic experience, which is enjoying sort of the village life after the, the gate, you know, after your racing's done. But did you get a chance to to have a bit of a blowout when you got home? Yeah, definitely got a big, uh, a nice big blowout over the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, tried to extend it as long as possible. To be honest, I really, my parents will agree with this. You know, I actually really dislike when I see my parents straight away coming back from a big meet or like, 
or a lot, just a lot of people initially, because it's like they all ask the same questions and it's all like, how was this? How is it? And they just don't understand the sort of mixed emotions that you've been through and all that. So, um, you know, I always fall out of my parents straight when I get back. But yeah, a couple of couple of blowouts with some mates and then it's all good. Yeah, that's the way it is. Definitely well needed. And and you guys deserve that sort of stuff. Like I think from you know, an outsider's perspective, we, we, you know, we're, we're not athletes. We're not like you guys. So we don't know, you know, the ins and outs and the, the sacrifices and dedications that go into an Olympic preparation. So it's definitely needed, isn't it, to have a, a wind down after such a, a massive high? Yeah, definitely. And I think more so mentally, just to, just to relax and switch off completely, you know, whether it's the, the day-to-day nutrition routine or just training in general, I think it can be quite, um, quite tiring. But also, I think it's quite important to like reflect on things that have happened, you know, even if that's positive or, or potentially negative. But um, yeah, I think for, for most people that I know have a, have a nice wee chilled out period. Yeah. Well, have you had a chance to, to reflect, mate? Has it sunken in, you know, what you achieved over in, in Tokyo? I mentioned before, you know, the only British athlete to win four medals in a single game. So have, have you had a chance to, to sort of process that? Um. Yeah, it's been a weird one. I think, you know, each day or each week it's sort of changed as well, like my reflections and even from my initial response to like the media the second the race was finished, I think it was like, you know, that was my just my pure like initial emotion. Um, so, yeah, no, it has, has been really strange because obviously like coming back, you know, if I got told I did all those times months before the Olympics, you know, I'd have, I'd have taken them and, you know, that's sort of what I was aiming for. But to then be told that, you know, I'd have been coming second in the two individuals and and, and likewise in the, the football and medley, I'd be like a bit confused. But, um, you know, sometimes, you know, just people sum out their skin and, you know, PBs were done to beat me. Um, so, no, I've just got to, I've, I've sort of reflected on that and I'm, I'm quite happy with, with what I was able to do. It was a bit like that, wasn't it? The Olympic Games. There were so many, you know, amazing swims and amazing moments. I mean, we only have to look at the 400 freestyle with, uh, Hafnawi from Tunisia, who just came out of nowhere to to win that gold medal. It's a little bit like that, isn't it? It's the unknown. It, it's, you know, you can swim, you know, your best, but you're not really in control of what others are, are going to be able to do around you. Yeah, definitely. And I think that first night, like you said, was, or that first morning, sorry, was like a real one to sort of just put it in perspective, you know, the Tunisian and the outside lane. And then you've got the 4am, just an a- absolute dog fight, you know, from a scrap between everyone so yeah and I think maybe it was a bit more so because of the the morning finals you know the, the morning semis you know it just meant you know people were you know taking the, the heats out and then they were trying to they were really struggling to bring it back in the next morning but um yeah it meant for some good racing and some good watching though <laughs> oh bloody earth mate we're in lockdown over here in Sydney so I was uh, I was throffing with the Olympics coming up I was ready to rumble and I loved it I was up you know every day watching and up in the nighttime watching especially we're covering it for the podcast not gonna lie goddamn some of those 1500 heats were, were hard to watch but I, I had to keep an eye on them I don't know how the commentators got through some of them they've got to get through it respectfully I understand that <laughs> Everyone's worked hard, but my God, some of it was, some of it was a struggle. You mentioned there with the with the heats and the finals, and we'll get to that in a minute, mate. But I haven't spoken to you for a year, and obviously here in Sydney, um, you know, we don't obviously follow you guys super closely in terms of your lead up to it. I've done a little bit of research and I had a look into, you know, what you guys did at trials. Did you get a sense going into Tokyo that you were ready? 
to swim fast. I had a look, obviously, you swam pretty quick um, alongside teammate Tom Dean as well. Uh, at your trials going 144 mid in the 200. Also, I think you broke the British record in the, in the IM as well. Yeah, um, I think, you know, I, I was actually, d- d- despite, you know, COVID, obviously I was out of the water for like 15 weeks, but from June 2020, like it was probably my most consistent block all the way through to trials and through to the Olympics. So, you know, it was really the uni, British swimming and all that, they did really well to allow us to like just stay in the water. So going up to trials, I was... I felt like I was in great shape. Um, so yeah, big, quite a big PB, about 0.7 PB in the 2am. Um, and then in the, the two free, about 0.4 PB. But that was the one that I was like, I reckon I can move that on quite a bit more. The 2am, I was like, I think I've maybe got a 55 mid, uh, perhaps. Um, so I was a little bit surprised with the way that um, you know, I was able to drop so much in, in that event. But then looking at the way I swam it, you know, I, I've got so much more in that that front half of the two AM for for later. Well, it's always exciting, isn't it, when you can come away, you know, with an Olympic medal, but but know that you you can improve it. Now, for all the you know all the podcast listeners who haven't listened to my chat with you from this time last year, and they're not aware, uh, you know, you're Scottish, so coming into the Olympic Games, you're coming under the Great uh, Great Britain, sorry, banner. What's that like for you, and how exciting was it, you know, to be around the team GB mates? Again, I know, you know, you guys have a great camaraderie. Yeah, no, I, I love it. You know, I love the um, the whole holding camp and the apartment stuff. You know, I love going away with those boys, you know. Train up in Scotland, I don't I don't see them too often. You know, it's mm. more sort of just competitions and around that. And then if we have, like, really camps and stuff. But, yeah, I, I wouldn't say too much. But, you know, the whole holding camp, I get to see them for, you know, a good two, three-week period. And, you know, it's, it, especially, like, Jimmy, Dino and, like, Pete and plenty of the other like relay boys that I get to sh- get to share races with. You know, it's it's always really good fun catching up with them again. And yeah, I, I'd say the team gets on really well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, certainly from an outsider's perspective, anyway, mate. And uh, I've talked I've spoken, sorry, to to Caitlin McClatchy a few times, and obviously she's well involved with the Team GB group there. And uh, yeah, she definitely speaks highly of that uh, team culture. We just spoke briefly off air, but mate, talk to me about the season three of the ISL. It kicks off very, very soon. Now I'm assuming, I think you're racing. Um, It's very up in the air with a lot of people at the moment on the sort of come down from Olympics. There's people whose probably names are down that they might not race. I I dare say there's going to be a lot of uh, junior swimmers that are going to get uh, a taste at at racing or at this time around as well. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'll be there. Um, I'm looking to get a tan and a couple of single sessions a day out there. But um, yeah, I think, you know, preparations from everyone's going to be kind of mixed. It's going to be very different to ISL last year. You know, everyone was there to to prepare and get through the rounds. And then it was a real battle in the semis in the final. Um, and so I, I almost got the impression the final was actually, you know, it was a really high caliber meet and, you know, it was really competitive. Um where I think this time, you know, it would just be a complete mixed bag. You know, there's, I know from a London perspective, you know, there's, there's people <laughs> all over the place. You know, some have kept training all the way through since Olympics, you know. And I'm, for myself, you know, I've had a nice a nice little break and I'm sort of just getting back in it now. So, you know, if I'm getting chucked in the 4 ends, you know, I think I'll have some questions to ask. But, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll see, you know, it's, it's just doing your bit for the team, I guess, as well. Oh, mate, in, in the 400 IM after having a little bit of a break, I, I feel for you. And fair to say, mate, we might see a few, you know, sort of new MVPs coming through, as you say, those of, you know, who have trained through and not had a break. Maybe they're probably going to be a bit fresher and 
you know, uh, you know, be swimming a bit quicker? Yeah, I, I would say so. But then at the same time, like, you know, that the MVPs that were so dominant last year, you know, they're, they are so like Caleb. I don't know if he's going to be there for the first couple, but, you know, thereafter, it's like, even if he's not in top shape, you know, he's still going to be, he's still, still going to be there or thereabouts for the MVP, you know, and um, same with, you know, you know, Sarah and, and plenty of others as well. So, um, but in saying that, I'm looking forward to seeing some of the American guys that were at college last year, you know, swimming, swimming at it. You know, I think Ryan Hoffer will be quite, quite good to watch and some of the others. So, yeah, I think, I think it'll be quite, it'll be quite good to watch it um, just in general, just because like you say, it'll be quite mixed. Yeah, yeah, I think definitely from a spectator's point of view, I think it's going to be good. We're going to see some, you know, good young talent coming through that we might not have seen at the Olympic Games, but they're just on the cusp and they're going to break through here. And uh, I'm excited. I'm, I'm ready to watch it. And I'm a, a London Raw guy. I've always said that. So I'm excited to, to see the Raw back in action. Mate, talk to me about the village in Tokyo. Uh, what was it like over there? Um, in terms of with all the COVID protocols and all that sort of stuff, I've asked the Aussies, but what was your sort of uh, experience like? And, you know, with the cardboard beds, I know the Aussies got lucked out. I think the, um, you know, our governing body helped them with some mattresses and stuff like that to help go on top of it. What did you guys get? Yeah, so um, I think in general, the protocols were pretty similar to what we had to do, you know, when we were here for like normal competitions or competitions throughout the year. Sorry. So not in that, but yeah. So I think one of the team GB sponsors is like a, as a, as a bed company called dreams. Um, so uh, they gave us like a mattress topper and a couple of pillows, but yeah, I, th- I think I had struggled without the mattress topper and sleeping on cardboard for nine days. Um, but I thought the, the actual village was, was pretty good. You know, I think the, I think it was, less risky for us there than it is staying at home you know in terms of covid so yeah uh, yeah I, th- I thought it was good and like my apartment you know I, I, lo- I loved it it was good good fun with the sharing it with those boys but uh it was just kind of small and it was just a shame to leave it so early as well from you know myself jimmy and pete the second the medley really finished we got back had to pack and then we had to leave to out the village to go and do media which was you know it was a bit of a shame you know everyone else was celebrating on our behalf and mm. so yeah i definitely know the aussie team got i think a night before they they had to leave and i think you know kaylee was telling me today they're on level six and she didn't go into too much uh, of the shenanigans they got up to but they they had a, a bit of a fun night up on level six and got to enjoy themselves not obviously the the norm as you say with with a, a village you know finish and you guys normally get another week to go out and watch other sports and and really lap it up but uh, definitely, I guess, makes you guys hungry for for Paris in 2024 and to get back in there and hopefully get a real uh, Olympic experience outside of swimming. Obviously, that was very much the same. Talk to me about that, though, with a, an empty stand, somewhat empty. We know some of the athletes were allowed to, to come and watch, but what was that like competing in sort of a, an empty sort of arena? Well, as, as a British I mean, swimmer, you know, I'm kind of used to the old empty uh, stadiums. It's the full ones we're worried about. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, th- I thought it was fine. You know, they, in comparison to like other sporting venues, like they didn't have any, like they couldn't have other athletes watching. So like we were actually quite lucky. You always have all the Americans up there with their cowbells and all sorts, mm-hmm. you know. So um, yeah, I, th- I thought it was fine, you know, and considering, you know, 
I don't even know the last meet that you know. I've probably 2019 Guangzhou was the last meet that we had a, we had full stands at. So uh, yeah, I think I think we've everyone's been able to get used to it. Yeah, nice. We we mentioned just before uh, you know the finals in the morning heats at night. How did you go with that? Yeah, I thought you know I'd I'd like to think you know I prepared as as well as I could. You know, I prioritised some meets like 2019 well uh, European short course. I just did, you know, even though it was the, the normal way around, I did uh, heats in the morning. I, I acted as them as they were my finals. So, you know, it was like a 9.30 a.m. Uh, two free heat. And I was trying to, I was getting up four hours before and trying to see what, what would work. Um, so I think I got quite a lot of learning from that. But then also, you know, trying out different things at um, some of the Manchester meets that, that Brixton put on and stuff. But yeah, I, I think it was all... It's just it was just finding something that works for you, um, and work um, and working out when to wake up really certain hours before you race. But yeah, I, I personally didn't think it was an issue at all. Um, you know, halfway into the meet, you know, it sort of I just forgot that you know this wasn't the norm. Um, so yeah, I think it was more so if you were if you were flat out in the heats, then it was then you were going to struggle for the next morning. But other than that, it was, I thought it was fine. Yeah. No. We, do you think it helped having the the heats? I guess in the night because it felt like a final. I've talking to a few people um, that you know it felt like a final to them going in at night, so they were ready to go fast. And I know um, having a look at say that girl's hundred meter backstroke in the heats, I think the Olympic record got broken one after another after another. Yes. Do you think that was the case because you know you know so used to it being a finals, they came in, they were pumped up, they were ready to go. Yeah, I think I think it all just depends where you're going in. You know, if you're wanting to, you know, two free, for example, the two free heat, I didn't I didn't really I didn't use any caffeine and stuff like that. You know, I wanted an early night to, to prepare me for the semi-final, but you know, there's other guys going in there, you know, fully ready to to commit to the heat and, and make it back. So I think it all just depends where you're going in. But yeah, there were some pretty quick uh there's some pretty quick that on her back was it was a spectacle to watch that. The rules in that where you have to win your heat with an Olympic record. I think they broke it in the first semi as well. Like it's just insane. But uh yeah, I, th- I think so. But the semis perhaps were a little bit slower, but the finals I thought were, were just as quick as you know you're gonna see in, in the in the afternoons anyway. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think there were definitely we know there was, you know, two individual world records broken and so many, you know, Olympic records and national records. So I definitely agree with you there, mate. Talk to me about the 200 free. Let's get to it. How are the nerves coming out? Um, you know, it was a hot field. There's no doubt. Um, you know, you, Kieran Smith is in there. Sheffield was in there. The young Romanian, Chlorine Daddy himself, Popovich was in there. Uh, you know, your, your teammate, Tom Dean as well. Talk to me about marshalling. How did you feel, you know, when you're coming out behind the blocks? Yeah, I'd say there's obviously nerves. Like it's, it's a moment that you've been waiting for, for for quite a while and one that, you know, I've been quite excited for as well, um, you know, to, to be going in line four is, is is a nice feeling and, you know, to just uh, just excited that it's eventually come around. Um, but yeah, ner- nerves in the call room, you know, looking around, it's, it's a really, the the depth and the quality in that field was was really high. I think, you know, the slowest PV was maybe a 45-1. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so and going into it, the fastest was maybe a forty-four-five, or no, well, you've got raps is forty-four-three, but um, so yeah, no, it was quite a tight bunched field. Um, so going in, but um, yeah, I'd, I'd say just just general nerves, but you know, I was still quite focused on on what, the way and the strategy that I wanted to swim it. 
I was quite pleased with my semi and just wanted to adopt a, a similar strategy going into the final. And I thought that um, I was quite, I was ready to do that and I was really well prepared to, to do that. So I was, I was quite confident going in. How did you find your 200 freestyle? I guess looking back now, um, you know, silver medal, as I said, um, teammate Tom Dean, you know, nabbing the gold there. How did you look back on that race? Yeah, I'd say, you know, an initial disappointment, you know, obviously, you know, I think anyone and any normal person would be disappointed, you know, coming second by such a small margin. But, you know, to, to see that it's Dino that, that's won rather than anyone else, you know, I'm, I'm, all, I'm absolutely buzzing for him. And the way he handled himself after it was just pure class. And, you know, he's, he's a great athlete and, you know, we get on really well outside the pool. But um, so, yeah, I'd say initially gutted. Um, and then, you know, looking back, you know, there's obviously little things that I think I could have maybe done better, you know, taking a wee jab into the 100 wall, giving me a bit more momentum. Um, 100, look, don't know how many people have come up to me. Oh, you should have maybe gone out quicker. <laughs> Um, all right, cheers, cheers for that. Um, oh, how's their form? Who's telling you that? Obviously, no one has been in an Olympic final, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, I guess what there's the same argument is you know, if I, if I went out a wee bit quicker, would I, would I have come back 52 8? Probably mm, not. Probably um, not. I need to try and find the right balance of you know, coming back similar to that and going out maybe a wee bit, wee bit quicker, but. You know, I, I look just looking back, you know, PB for myself couldn't have done much more in an Olympic final. So, uh, no, and then just just hats off to, to Dino for a, for a big swim. Well, as you said, PB in Olympic final, you've got to be happy with that. And I'm always hesitant, though, to go, oh, you know, silver medal, you've got to be happy with that because everybody reacts to things differently. And, you know, to your point, you've been eye on the prize of, of winning that gold medal at the 200 freestyle for so long. It's, I think it's only natural, mate, to be initially gutted that, you know, you just didn't quite get there. But in hindsight, when you look back, still what a phenomenal performance. And, and you know, did, do you think over time as it settled in, you started to sort of recognise, well, I did still do pretty well there. Yeah, definitely. And I think maybe just the amount of racing that I had probably helped that as well. But then at the same time, you know, since I've come back, it's given me a chance to like properly think about it because, you know, while I was racing, I finished that morning, um, had the afternoon off and then the 4 by 2 final was the next morning. Uh, 2am was that afternoon. So it was just straight back into everything. So, um, yeah, I didn't have much time to sort of process it. Um but, you know, it's, it's just one of them. You know, I, I was obviously, as I say, initial disappointment. But, you know, if I was to come out of the race and say that we went a 1-2 is, is kind of pretty special. There's not many countries that did that many 1-2s. So, um, and Britain, I think that's the first time since it was like 1907 or something stupid. So, um, yeah, no, it was, it was quite cool in the end. I always love when the bloody TV people come out with those sort of stats, isn't it? Oh, that's the first time since 1856. Who knows that stuff? I don't know that stuff. I only know it when they say it. Um, <laughs> but you mentioned just before, uh, you know, your reactions to the TV. Obviously, we, we didn't get to see it. What, what were your initial interviews like? Were you a little bit disappointed? And what was the, you know, not crowd reaction, but what was the people at home's reaction to that, do you know? I think I was just, I just came across, um, you know, I was just, just being a little bit honest with, you know, I was obviously gutted, um, but at the same time, you know, but uh, really happy for, for Dino. Um, I think, it, I think there was just, just my reaction, but you know, we, we, we did all the media together and stuff like that. So, 
Um, so I, I thought it's just the way that, that he handled himself. You know, he could have, I think if he if he acted maybe slightly differently, I would have maybe got a little bit annoyed. But, you know, the way that Dino goes about his business is is world class. So, you know, I, I can, you know, I was I was absolutely fine after it. I think the perception from people, it was, it was those mixed, it was the mixed things that people say. They go, oh, congratulations, but commiserations, or it's like the... Oh, oh, unlucky or great swim. So it's like a, a real mixed bag that you get yeah. told, but or you lost me this much money. But <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would have been one of my mates for sure saying things like that. <laughs> oh, they love a punt. Um, uh, talk to me about your race plan going into that. Obviously, all the young swimmers that listen to the podcast have their own race plans, talking to their coaches. What did you have? Uh, obviously, anybody who watches you knows you're very, you know, back end dominate and very strong on the finish. Um, did you have a, a clear plan and some tactics going into that final? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's similar to the semi in the sense that, you know, it's more, obviously, when I set my PB at the trials, I was at 50.2 and that was more just to try out something, you know, just to out fast and you know see what I can beat to 150 um and then you know coming into that the Olympics it was more you know control the front end and you know I think I can I'll have I'll, I was on for you know I was swimming really good on the back half um so yeah it was to more just go out quite controlled but you know my my control is you know if I if I control it too much you know I can sort of be left for dead with some of these boys that take it out 23 high um so just make sure I'm in the race. Um, and then the fifth, the second 50 was just, you know, just build it and then attack, attack the third and, you know, see what I've got left on the fourth. Um, you know, with the gra- gradual progression of, you know, how much intensity I'm putting through the, the turns as well. But, um, yeah, it was really strange as well, you know, going through the race, um, you know, because of where the race was happening. Um, you know, it was obviously a couple of lanes over, so I couldn't quite see know how far in front they were but you know that's that's the way it, it works with the, the line draws and all sorts so um you know credit credit to Dino you know for for sticking on the lane and then you know leaving him you know leaving him to, for dead on the last 35 but uh you know there's all sorts going on there with hun- first hundred heroes and you know back ass I thought Popovich's like I thought the way he saw him it was very good you know out on his own as well and um, a couple lanes over so um but yeah that was the way that you know, that was the way that I was wanting to, to try and execute it. Um, I thought I thought I did do that. It was just, you know, marginally um, not quite there. But, you yeah. know, it was uh, for what I wanted to do. You know, I thought I executed it well. Absolutely. I'm glad you brought up Popovich's 200 because I, I thought, obviously, all the talk going into to the Olympics for him was was around the 100. I thought his 200 definitely, you know, he stood up and, and looked like a, a real star of the future. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, it's the way I think he he swam it as well is is good. You know, I think um his his actual physique, his, his technical ability, you know, I I th- I've not I didn't get to watch him much before the Olympics and uh I didn't actually watch him to I saw the hundred free and um I'd be lying if I said I was watching him in that star studded field. But um yeah, yeah, I think just a, a two free to go one forty four six at sixteen in the Olympic finals is is, is really impressive. Um, so you know, I, I think I think he'll be maybe ISL. You know, I, I don't know what he's like short course, but you know, definitely over the next the next cycle and a half or the next two cycles, you know, he's going to be he's going to be there and thereabouts all the time. 
Well, he's definitely a star of the future. As I said to you, mate, his Instagram handles at Chlorine Daddy. And anyone who calls themselves Chlorine Daddy is certainly someone who's, who's set for some stardom, that's for sure. Now, mate, talk to me about, we just mentioned, your, obviously, your race plan. How hard is it, especially at an Olympic final level, to, to really trust the process and stick to that race plan when, you know, essentially what your race plan is, is you're going to let people go out and you're going to catch them back in the back end and go past them. Sounds easy in theory. And obviously if you trust your back end well enough, which you should, cause it's phenomenal, but how hard is it to stick to that when you see people taking it out? I think, uh, was it Shuang or what was the Korean guy, the young Korean guy? He was, he was on fire at the beginning of, of the two hundreds. Yeah, it was, I think it was 49.8. So even there, I was about one and a half seconds down 100. Um, but then again, I'd, I'd say that that's like an extreme, you know, he probably has come out of that and gone up, maybe gone out a little bit too, too quick, unless he thought he could hang on, which is fair <laughs> credit to him. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I would say so. But I think that's also come with like my learning through being in, being in plenty of finals now at the highest level, you know, I've, I've probably got a little bit more composure than than what I used to have. Of, I'd say when I first got, was in a lot of finals, I'd maybe just swim other people's races, um, you know, play into the hands of others. And but you know, I'm able to now go in and you know quite easily execute all the race plans that I'm wanting to do. Um, but you know, I'm I'm very well aware of you know how other people are going to try and swim it and what they're wanting to do. Um, but yeah, I th- I think it's also trying to be aware of others but then don't let that affect what you're wanting to do you know have confidence in in the way that you're trying to execute it absolutely mate i I think definitely the way you race anybody think you've got an aussie cap on because certainly if you watch the way the aussies are racing in tokyo charging down that last 50 that's exactly your mo uh, and you know we love it gives me anxiety watching those sort of races but certainly you guys are the best at it now before we get into the the four by two and a phenomenal race that you were a part of um, I, I want to give the little a bit of an insight for the listeners into, you know, how you, you know, trained and prepared for the Olympic Games. Did you have, you know, any sets that you were doing during your preparation that although it might have killed you during the set when you got out and walked away, you stood a little bit taller and you're a little bit more confident going, all right, I, I know I'm ready to go after that. Um. So I did similar sets to what I did at the trials, but I just sort of changed them because I sort of wanted to do them better. Uh, you know, I think going into the trials, I did, I thought I did some sets really well, but others I just didn't quite execute that well. Um, I think one of them was, um, so I, I train, we do the Yan model at Sterling. So the the whole sort of point of when we're in taper is the anaerobic power and uh, the aerobic power um, phase and just trying to develop that. Um, so I think one of them was, that I actually thought was was really good that I sort of changed slightly to, well, Steve changed it slightly onto the, the holding camp was, uh, so it was a 150 at like, it's no breath at like 90, 95%. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a couple hundred easy. Then it's 250s back end 100 um, on like 30 rest. And then it's uh, swim down and then uh, 450s um, on I think I want to say 15 or 10. I think we went on 15 rest. I think we might have done two on 15, two on 10, which is in theory just one on 10, but um, on they're all 200 race pace. Because um, I think it's, with that one, it's just because of the amount that it has, you know, and it, with it finishing at 200 race pace as well, it just 
gives me that confidence that you know I'm able to hit the times even though I've already been through you know like a 50 and some other front end well back end 100 stuff so um yeah I, I would say that um but then there's also like you know some other stand-up stuff that I would say you know really helps for um you know just when I've been a little, in a little bit of a slump you know coming into the taper and then you know popping out and I'm like oh I'm actually I'm actually in a lot better shape than I thought yeah Absolutely, mate. Now let's get to the four by two. Um, it's one thing to go into a race as red hot favourites, you know, which you guys did. And um, there's no doubt about that. As I said, I was covering um, the Olympics on the podcast, and you know, when you looked across the field, no doubt you guys were going in red hot favourites. But it's another thing to go out and execute and get that job done. Talk to me about you know what the vibe was before that final, what you boys were talking about leading into that that big race, or was it just you know pretty chilled and everyone knew what job they had to do. I think a bit, bit of both. So it was quite chilled. Everyone knew the scenario that was at hand. You know, we were favourites going in. I think everyone, I think it's quite safe, to, you know, for the four standing best times going in. Um, and it was about, you know, executing your own job really like to the best of your ability. Um, you know, the, the heat's happened. You know, I was a little bit gutted for Dino having to swim the heat. I thought, you know, we had, um, you know, we, we could have maybe shown a little bit more you know, ar- arrogance perhaps like some of the American or some other nation relays show, you know, that, you know, to, to rest two people, you know, we're, we're still fastest qualifiers in, you know, and, and Dino has rolled a, a relaxed 146. Um, so like, you know, I, th- I think we, we could have potentially rested too, which, which could have helped for the, for the final, but hey And then, uh, you know, I think everyone as well going in, it was more just like, no, no complacency, you know, we're here to, you know, people are wanting to, to beat us, you know, that, you know, that's, that's what it's all about. So it was do your own job really well and, and, and no complacency at all, you know? Um, and yeah, I think outside of that, um, everyone just sort of got left to their own devices of, you know, knowing what job that they had to do. And once the relay order was set out um, everyone was really confident in it. Well, let's get to the, the race itself. Um, you know, no doubt, you know, brilliant swim from you guys and, you know, dominated from the start and you definitely brought it home like a train. I think you guys broke the the European record and just outside the world record. We saw the emotion on James Guy's face. What what did that moment mean to you boys as a team? Yeah, I've been on loads of relays with Jimmy now and the number of four by twos we've done well but then you know we've just fallen short in 2016 and then 2019 I think we were we were fifth the 2019 final was really fast when you guys won it and uh yeah it was we were in a weird place I think but I think the extra year really helped our relay out you know with Dino coming through and, and Matt you know I thought Matt in that four by two had an amazing leg um you know the his composure to to really trust his back half you know in a in a, in a race where he sort of had to, he was really chasing the American, but, um, but yeah, I, I would say just the number of times that we've been so close, um, you know, but we were world champs way back in, in 17, but I think to, to do it at the Olympics is a different thing. And it's just, yeah, I think Jimmy just sort of shows and he is the character and he is like the face of the team in that sense. And I think, you know, when he started tearing up, it was, you know, it's was, it was when he started doing it five or six races deep, it was like, right, steady on now. But I think, you know, <laughs> when it was the four by two and, you know, the, the emotion of it and stuff like that, I think it was, you know, it was quite special. Yeah, well, it's nice to see, isn't it? In such a, an individual sport, 
like ours is, and, and you guys so often are up on the blocks by yourself. I think those moments and getting to share them uh, with a special group of, of, of boys is, is very important. And, you know, uh, what a great moment, as I said, obviously I'm an Aussie, but I loved watching that. Um, I know we got bronze, but I, I thought it was very special and uh, congratulations to you guys. Now, you know, obviously I mentioned earlier four Olympic medals. Talk to me about the 200 IM, um, you know, charging at the back end as you do for a silver medal, 155 two. How'd you feel that race went? Well, it's a weird So five, five people, including myself, in my heat made the final. I remember looking at my heat on the thing and I was like, I'm going to I'm gonna have to like, this is going to be absolutely stacked. And I'm like, what is this heat? Um, but yeah, five, five of that heat made it back. Um, so first time, I think, I think I was next to Michael in the heat. Um, and then I'm obviously next to him again in the final. I think going into it, you know, I was quite happy with my lane draw, you know, next to Xiong Wang and then next to Michael as well. Um, but yeah, I was, it was more, you know, be, be in touching distance on the fly. You know, I just don't, don't go crazy on it. Mm. Um, I wanted to push the backstroke more than I actually did. And I think that that ended up making my breaststroke a lot better because I come up and sort of shit myself of how far behind I am. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Christ, I need to get going here. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think my, it was my best breaststroke split by a, a, a long way, but I think that that's sort of been coming. Um, you know, it's, it's the only stroke that I don't have any efficiency on, so I need to just rate the absolute... I just need to rate it. Um, so, yeah, it was just about that. But I think at 150, it was a really tight race. Um, or just before that, maybe. So maybe about 140, Michael was just in front, but I don't think quite as much as he usually is. And, you know, I started to sort of plane off. Um, and at that time, at probably at 140, I was like, I, I really back myself here. You know, freestyle. I, I don't know, you know, I, I know Shung Wang's been back 27-8 coming into it. I was like, you know, I, I really back myself turn and then you know i just can't get past this guy <laughs> um so you know i think initially gutted but i didn't expect i didn't expect us to be going that fast you know it's especially coming into the meet i didn't i don't think people expected the 2am to be that quick either um it was maybe you know i was 155 nine maybe third or fourth going in um so yeah i think you know and for him to go an asian record as well as is, is shows how fast he went 155 flat so yeah, um, I think just initially gutted, but you know, afterwards I was like, I really couldn't have done much more at all on that. No, absolutely not. As you said, uh, really close finish too. He, he went one fifty five zero and one fifty five two, and yeah, to your point, I was I was cheering you home, mate. But yeah, it was just holding on. Um, and, and, you know, such a, a quick race. What do you think in tactical terms for the IM? It's one thing we talked about tactics for the freestyle and those who go out fast and, and those who, who back end it. But, you know, we talk about Michael Andrew and, you know, everyone who's watching his sort of heats and semis, he was going out like a train. I think a lot of time was on world record pace and then just not holding on in the back end. Uh, is it similar to your freestyle tactics? Are you still confident that you're going to get them or is it a little bit more tactical because it's IM and the four different strokes? Yeah, and it's it's more to do with, you know, I, I know my strengths, the last leg, which is quite difficult, you know, <laughs> going into it. Um, that's not to say that the, the rest are weaknesses, but, you know, for my previous best of what I did at the trials, 155.9, I was actually out quicker than when I went 155.2. Um, I think it's more just being be as close or be in front of. If I'm in front of people at 150, you know, 
in my in my mind they're not getting past me you know if I can be with them then I can swim past them you know that sort of thing um and it's me trying to like put put them under as much pressure as possible to 150 you know so that they can I don't I don't, I don't know if they think like that or if, if, if it's you know I need to try and be away from him um but yeah, I think a lot has changed around my skills within the medley, which has made the biggest difference over the last year and a half. You know, the fly to back underwater. I think I was like three kicks to like um, eight or nine. Um, and then the, the the back to breast underwater as well has, has, has made a big difference. Well, mate, I'm excited for the future for you in the 200 IM. It sounds like you, you still think you've got some improvement there and you feel like you can you can make some gains. So I'm looking forward to seeing a, a 154. Talk to me about the balance in training between you know towards medley and freestyle. Is it easy or you know, is it fairly similar? Or do you have to be conscious of making sure you're keeping that balance with your coach through the week? Yeah, I mean, in my ideal life, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do any breaststroke at all until it gets to meet. But um, <laughs> obviously, that's not possible. Um, yeah, I think it's probably we've, a lot of the focus is around the IM, you know, around the two IM because you know at the tough, uh, the tougher end of the session, you know, I'll, I'll start doing freestyle because it's you know at the back end. So, and I think that, that helps me a lot for the two free. Um, but, you know, I've sort of been a 4IM, 2IM swimmer all the way from like 13, 14. So like the, the, the medley focus in training has always been there. I think it's just, it just depends what I'm doing that session, depends probably what stroke, you know, if it's speed orientated, I think breaststroke's crucial because I always need to swim with quite a high rate on that for it to work well for me. Um, same on fly, it'll probably, you know, speed focused on that. Um, the slightly longer stuff will probably done a lot on uh, you know back and free I won't do many long sets on breast um you know the, the the freestyle stuff that I do is you know obviously I have I have I do a bit more freestyle but the, the intensity stuff I, I don't do the high intensity really on backstroke it's just really the long easy stuff um and the high intensity comes through the, the fly and the breast like I said oh nice good insight there mate what's your favorite sets medley freestyle or medley, but if you if they take out the breaststroke, you're happy with it? <laughs> Men, mental how that's the case, but really I was like, I think I was maybe the second fastest player. Um, yeah, maybe 425s, one each stroke off from a dive. That's an absolute cracking set. Um, I, don't, I don't know what my favourite set is. You know, I've sort of done all sorts, you know, with doing the Yan model from, you know, really long, steady sets to, um, you know, really high intensity. Um you know, a couple of four AMs and stuff like that. So, um, no, I, I don't know. I think, you know, w what is really good is, you know, Mark, Mark Sharanik's been, you know, at Sterling now since 2018 and uh, I love training with him. You know, I don't, he didn't have a, a great year. You know, he'd be the first to admit that, you know, but the tr you, wouldn't, you wouldn't get that, you know, with the way that he's been training. I think that that helped me out a lot, especially in the medley stuff. Yeah, nice. Mate, you love being a part of a, a relay. We've talked about that and we've also talked about, you know, the team camaraderie around Team GB. Um, you know, tremendous team culture. You must have been proud of, of finishing the week, uh, you know, the four by one uh, medley relay. Obviously, you know, yourself, Luke Greenbank, James Guy, and, and the man himself, Adam Peaty. Uh, nice way to finish and a historic week, you know, personally for yourself. Yeah. And I think it was, it was a strange finish because we all finished being like, huh, one, that's over. It's, it's now all over. And two, you know, we were. Because of how far away America were in the race, you know, it's just like, oh, we're, 
you know, that's it. But, you know, it took a world record to beat us. I think we went a European record. Um, you know, so we actually went faster than we did in 2019, you know, even though I've dropped 0.9 on what I went there. <laughs> so, um, you know, cheers to the other boys for stepping up on that one. But, um, yeah, I, I think, you know, it didn't take us long to to realise, you know, we, we've done a, after all the racing that, that we've done, you know, to, to put those splits together is is really, you know, we couldn't have done much more. You know, Caleb's drop, dropping a 49 flat on the fly. You know, it's it's not like it's not like Jimmy could have done much more than a you know, 50 point flat, 50.1. So, um, you know, that's still like the third fastest split ever. It's just, you know, Caleb's just different. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, we, we came away, you know, happy with with what we were able to do. Absolutely, mate, as well. You should be. Now, talk to me about, obviously, you know, I'm in Australia. What was the reception like uh, from the public when, when you got home? You know, pretty successful games for you guys. And as I said, personally, um, it is in the papers, mate. They're asking for you to be knighted for four medals you brought home. Uh, what was the reception like? Um, yeah, it was, it was strange. Like the, um, cause obviously the Olympics are still going along and still happening. Um, I think there was like a homecoming event for the guys that arrived in England. Um, but we still had a flight up to Edinburgh, arrived one or two parents there. Um, and then, I get back and then on my street, there's like big banners up and stuff like that, which was, which was quite cool. And, you know, the, the, like quite a few of the local kids and parents and stuff like all turned up, which was, that was actually quite special because like I turn all my social media off during a, during a competition just cause, you know, I can't be, I can't really be bothered, you know, with the number of people that will message, you know, saying there are certain comments on the way races have gone or whatever. And, you know, I'll just block it all out. So, you know, I, I had no idea what, what the message had been like back home. And so, you know, I ride back and the whole street was sort of getting involved, which was, which was quite cool. As well. They should be made as, you know, you did yourself proud and your country proud, no doubt. What's your plans moving forward, mate? We know the ISL is coming up, but have you got an eye on the future? Do you want to sort of chill after the ISL and you've fulfilled your, your obligations there? Or do you have to get stuck back in because, you know, com games aren't far away. I mean, are you going to allow yourself time to just sort of chill for a bit? Yeah, I, I probably haven't really decided yet, to be honest. You know, it's it's still, you know, probably about three and a half weeks away from uh, finishing up. Um, I do know, you know, next year is quite busy. The world's commies, Europeans, you know, we've even got European short course, world short course and ISL over the next few months. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I know at ISL, you know, I'll probably just mainly be doing singles, um, you know, getting up to, you know, some big volumes of 4K probably. Um, so, yeah, I'll just... I'll just be sort of chilling out, you know, the next three years, I think it's quite important to, to be quite patient um, and then sort of build through the three years, you know, obviously Commonwealth games doesn't come around often and, you know, it's not often I get to represent Scotland at all. So, um, you know, I'd, I'd like to think, you know, for, for that, you know, I'll probably be targeting some, some individuals that I, I'd maybe not do that often. Um, but I'll see, I, I don't really know what, the, I think the schedule changes all to do with the home nation. So, um, we'll need to see, you know, what's actually up for grabs and what can actually be done because ISL keep managing to. I think they're just trying to get me to stop coming because they just keep putting the two free at, next to everything else that I do. So it's a bit, a bit <laughs> annoying. <laughs> oh yeah, next is not next to the four hundred IM, is it? Yeah, it's ten minutes before the four IM, <laughs> so that's not getting done. No, <laughs> 
Oh, you poor bastard. Well, you know, you make a great point, mate. There's a lot coming up in there with obviously this whole postponement of the Olympics. I was even talking to my swimmers. Um, we were talking about setting goals and, you know, I sort of mentioned how crazy it is that we're not that far away from Christmas. It's going to go into 2022. And from there, we're only two years, really two and a bit years away from the next Olympics, which, you know, really is going to come around quite quick. So uh, there's a lot going on between the next three years. It's going to be pretty jam packed. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, which I think in some way for, for within Britain and within swimming in Britain, you know, it's, it's probably, it's not a sport that's uh, spoken about too often. Um, I think we had a, we had a pretty good um, Olympics, you know, I think it's, it's the best Olympics that we've ever had as a British swimming team. So I think that that short turnaround will actually help us out in terms of growing the sport in this mm -hmm. country, you know, with the Commonwealth games in Birmingham as well. Um, next year, that's something for, you know, the public to, to latch onto. And then from there, as you say, it's only two years to the next one, which is just down the road in Paris. So, yeah, I think for us, it, it might actually be quite good for, for growing the sport. But in terms of planning and prioritizing different things to do, I think it's really important that you that you are quite selfish and you, you choose which competitions that you actually want to do and when to take time off and, and really listen to your body as well. Yeah, well said, mate. Now, you, you spoke about Paris there. You're brushing up on your French. Uh, you, you're keen to, to go on to 2024, obviously. Do you know a bit of French? Are you excited for Paris? No, I don't know any French, which is bad. Um, <laughs> I think the French people don't mind Scottish people, so I'll just go with that. But, um, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know. Um, yeah, I think, you know, I think the thing that's exciting as well is I think we only had, I think we had eight people on the team that had been to a previous Olympics. You know, our team was was really young, um, and you know, it, this you know, even the events that I do with with Matt, you know, Dino's young, and 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 Jacob as well is coming through for the, the Hyundai and the well, two hundred as well. And then looking further afield, you know, at European juniors, Ed Mildred and and others. So um, no, I think I think it's going to be really competitive to to make that team because of how well it was, you know. In in uh, Tokyo, people are going to want to get a part of it. Um, you know that we've seen that with the four by two. You know, the last couple of years, it started to become really competitive to to make it back in the trials, and it's almost one of those that you you know the last day is coming, and everyone's just going to rattle the heats to make that back. But um, so yeah, no, I, I'm looking forward to it. Um, but you know, as I say, between now and then, there's there's a there's a heap of racing to do. So um, and a lot can change in three years as well. Oh, absolutely. A lot can happen. A lot can happen personally and things go on and the circumstances change. I mean, look at what's happening with COVID. Nobody knew that was going to happen. So we, we <laughs> just don't know. But, you know, to your point, I think you guys are in a great position, similar to here in Australia. You know, I, I can't speak highly enough of what the Aussies did in Tokyo. And I, I think that, you know, the flow on effect from that is going to be seen from, from years to come for the Aussie team. And obviously we're, we're very fortunate. 2032 Brisbane Olympics. Um, you know, we've, we've got that. And so we've got a lot of, you know, between 10 to 14 year olds who watch these Olympic games who now have 10 years to, to build to theirs. And I think you guys are in a similar position, mate, obviously with the youngsters coming through that, you know, you're going to have swimmers building and, and wanting to be a part of that team. Yeah. And I think we maybe had that, you know, the same thing happened in London, London, 2012, you know, I think it's safe to say we, we didn't have the, the best of games. Um, but it's still it was still a home games, and I think that that was really important for a lot of the swimming team, you know, because I, I know a lot of people that watched it. We had one person on the team that was a part of that team 
in 2012 you know everyone else was was either new or part of 2016 um so yeah i think i think as you say you know being a part of a successful team will really help over the next couple of years and um you know for the few kids that are coming through and the young ones but i'm saying that as if i'm old but i'm, I'm 24 so yeah. you know i'd like to think i've got quite a few years left <laughs> You got many years left, mate. Don't worry about that. And selfishly, as a as a spectator and a lover of swimming, I'm just excited because I, I think just the level and standards in in world swimming is is really raising, and um, you know everyone's pushing those boundaries. I mean, look at the the women's four by two relay. The three uh, teams that medaled all broke the world record. Oh yeah, that was that was some race, and I think I'm pretty sure the British swimming staff had a meeting. And I was like watching it and then they come back and I'm like, oh, do you see that? Did you see that? They're like, no, no. Oh, they were absolutely <laughs> they missed it all. But that was that was an unbelievable race. Obviously, it's probably different emotions from uh, from an Australian's perspective on that. But uh, yeah, that was some some I think it's probably it was probably hyped up because of you know how how potentially dominant the Australian team you know, going going in could could have been you know with their PBs, but you know as we all know, it doesn't work out like that at all, and it's so hard to execute you know four people all at their best all at the same time. Um, so I, I think you've got to give credit to the Chinese and the American relays as well. Oh, absolutely, mate. And as we've already discussed it in this podcast, you know. You can only control what you can control and you can't control if someone's going to break a world record faster than you you did. So, I mean, it's just phenomenal. So, uh, and it was a great race. And as I said, I think it's from, from a spectator's point of view, it was just great to see the level and the bar being raised and raised and who knows how much faster, you know, you guys are going to get in the future. Now, mate, I always like to finish with some fun, you know that. And this time around, we're going to do some Google questions. So, uh, this is what the world is Googling about you as we speak. Um, I don't know if that's creepy or not to you, but uh, we're going to test it out. So this is what people are, are asking, mate. So you're ready to go? Far away. Let's see. Let, give me your worst. <laughs> it's not that bad, mate. Don't worry. Uh, <laughs> the first one is, is Duncan Scott married? No, no, he's, he's, he's not even close. <laughs> the next one is, and I don't know why people are asking this, but have something to do with size of feet. I don't know, but how tall is Duncan Scott? Uh, six foot three. Tall, I'll go with. Tall and lanky. Uh, lucky bastard. I'm a short little guy. I'm like a minion compared to you guys. <laughs> uh, is Duncan Scott Scottish or Irish? No, I'm answering that. <laughs> don't take offense i told you i didn't write this this is what people are googling <laughs> i would never have written that you know i you know i'm a big fan of yours no, uh <laughs> no I, I i love i love the irish boys and uh you know i get on really well with them our old coach went across there and he coaches there they're a, a good bunch how often do you get that though honestly from like naive people who don't really pay attention the Irish. I've never been asked if I've been if I'm Irish. Oh, really? Um, been fit before, yeah. I hear it all the time over here when uh, you know British people and Irish and Scottish people come to to work in Australia. We have a lot of lifeguards and stuff like that, and I always have people. I can pick it up because you know my my pop is is Scottish and very thick Scottish accent. So at first, when I was younger, I had to really pay attention to understand, but now it's 
it's very yeah. easy to understand him. But um, yeah, I I know straight away. But yeah, so often people are like, oh, is, is she Irish? I'm like, no, she's Scottish. How do you not understand that? But anyway, we move on. Uh, is Duncan Scott from Aloha? I I uh, I was born in Glasgow, but I lived in Aloha for a, a long time. Yeah. There you go. See, these people obviously are fairly close to the mark. I didn't know that. Now I'm learning about you too, mate. Um, when did Duncan Scott start swimming? Um, I probably got chucked into a pool when I was like really young, probably about four or five. Um, fortunately, stayed afloat. And then um, I think I want to say like, you know, seven or eight, you know, I was part of a club. You know, I just really enjoyed My sister swam. She's two years older, so just a part of a club like that. Very nice, mate. And the last one is, obviously, people are big fans of yours, mate, and they're, they're loving what you got going on because is Duncan Scott single? Yeah, yeah, very, very much, very much single. So the, that relates to the married one as well. Yeah, it's going to be a while since we, we take that one off. <laughs> there you go, ladies. Shoot your shot. Slide into the DMs. You've, you've heard on this podcast they're open now. He's, he's back on his social media. <laughs> Shoot your shot. Throw it out there. Uh, mate, thank you very much for coming on, having a chat with me. Um, obviously, you know, you guys are, are winding back down now after the, the game, so I really do appreciate it. You, you know, talked so much about swimming already, so, uh, you know, it's not always easy to be up for another conversation, but uh, I really appreciate you coming on for a chat. And I know, obviously, you know, I'm an Aussie, mate, but thank you very much for putting on a, a fantastic show in Tokyo, uh, you did yourself and your family and your friends and your country. Very, very proud, mate. So should be very proud of yourself. And, and thanks for coming back on for another chat. No, thank you. Thanks very much. Today's episode of Off The Block Swimming Podcast is proudly brought to you by our good friends at Pro Swim Workouts. Thank you all once again for downloading the show today. Your continued support is always appreciated. And don't forget to check out our other weekly podcast, the OTB Crew Podcast, where I'm joined each week by Lani Pallister, Lachlan Carter, and Josh Edward-Smith. We talk a whole lot of swimming. The crew give their own unique insider perspective on what's going on in the world of swimming, as well as special guest Olympians joining the show for some fun. We also talk music, movies, other sports, and generally just have a good laugh. If you're looking for a fresh swimming podcast with a bit of mainstream twist to it, this is definitely the one for you. Join us every Thursday on Spotify and Apple Podcast for all the fun. I just want to-